0: I'm so happy to look out and see people who uh, work with their hands here this morning. My grandfather was a carpenter for his whole life. Um, he actually started working in the 1940s, back when carpenters wore overalls and used the fold-up rulers instead of tape measures. And to, the, to his dying day, he always loved his fold-up ruler. Um, so he was a carpenter. He had seven children, and he, so which means he never made a lot of money, which means he had to keep working into his, well into his 70s and even 80s to be able to survive. And I think he always resented that. Um, but when I was in fifth or sixth grade, uh, he said, Hey, come help me. Be my helper. I'll pay you, and I'll teach you how to build stuff. So I did. I followed him around job sites and uh, uh, coiled up cords and carried materials and swept up messes and even started learning how to use some of the tools and do some of the, uh, the mental work of construction. And he was, he was really a, a skilled craftsman. But I'll never forget, um, sitting with him on the job site one day, we're putting some dormers on a house, we're sitting there in lawn chairs, he's drinking his Diet Pepsi, he always loved his Diet Pepsi, and he looked over at me and said, Tyler, whatever you do, don't do this kind of work. Go to college, don't be a builder, this is dumb work, he said, this is dumb work. And later on that same job, the homeowner came and was praising him for how beautifully the job was coming together. And he said, oh, no, this is easy. You just have to know where to measure and where to cut. He told me this is dumb work. And it's sad that he thought that way. And I don't think my grandfather is alone. Many people see manual labor as less than other kinds of work. Not all people, many people. Many people who'd work in the trades, I think, see their trade as sort of something to settle for because they didn't go to college or because they didn't do this or they couldn't make more money at something else, right? But what I wish my grandfather could hear and what I want all of you today to hear loud and clear is that working with your hands is a high calling. It's a high calling, can even be a calling from God. Maybe you are, some of you work daily in a trade as a plumber or a carpenter or a mechanic or a chef or something else. Um, others here are retired from a trade, looking back and wondering if your work, if your career meant much. Some of you uh, just like to build things in the shop or Work at your sewing machine or experiment in the kitchen and work with your hands. And what I want all of you to hear in some way is that God values the work of our hands. That it's a high calling. So to do this, I'd like to open up the Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 31. Now if you've been with us this year, you, you know we're going through the book of Exodus together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> this passage is far ahead of where we left off last time, um, but it just so happens to be one of the best parts of the Bible for talking about working with our hands. So this is Exodus chapter 31. It starts on page 70. The whole passage is on page 70 of these Brown Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. And let me just give you the context and set the stage for what is happening in this passage. So, the book of Exodus tells the story of how God used Moses to free the people of Israel from Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God said, I'm going to free you from your slavery. He sent Moses. Uh, He judged Egypt with the plagues. He led them through the Red Sea. He saved them decisively from Pharaoh's army. And now they're in the wilderness learning to be God's people. He brought them to Mount Sinai where he gave them the law, the Ten Commandments. And said, this is how to live as my people. And then he said, and as my people, I am going to dwell with you that you may worship me. And so he gave Moses these specifications for this special tent called a tabernacle along with an altar and candle holders and garments for the priests to wear and all of these ornate intricately designed uh, pieces uh, things for Israel's worship but they had a problem who would be able to craft all of these things We're talking like they would need blacksmiths and goldsmiths and masons and carpenters and weavers and um, incense mixers. And all these highly skilled trades that they didn't have. They had been slaves making bricks in Egypt for 400 years. So where are they going to get the skill they need to do these things? That's where we pick up in chapter 31. Let me read... These verses, chapter 31, verses 1 through 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze; to cut and set stones; uh, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahis, Ahisamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him, and I have given him ability to. Uh, and I have given ability. Excuse me to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle. The ark of the covenant law with its atonement cover on it. And all the other furnishings of the tent. And then he lists all these ornate things. The table and its articles. The pure gold lampstand and all its accessories. The altar of incense. The altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. The basin with its stand. And also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. If you don't know what all that means, that's fine. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Here's what this passage shows us about working with our hands. Two things. Working with your hands can be a calling from God, and it can also be work for God. A calling from God and work for God. Let me show you what I mean. So we see clearly in this passage that Bezalel, and how would you like a name like that? I'm, hi, I'm Bezalel. Uh, the head craftsman was endowed with the Spirit of God. He was appointed to um, be the master craftsman in charge of the tabernacle. And also Aholiab and all these people appointed to help him. Now in the church, we normally think of pastors and missionaries and those kinds of things as the types of people who have callings from God. But here in Exodus, the first, well I wouldn't say the first, a person who has a calling from God is a craftsman working with his hands. And Bezalel is the first person in Scripture of whom it is said he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's Spirit. Isn't that interesting? The first person who is filled with the Spirit is not a, not a prophet, not a priest, not a pastor, but a craftsman. Hmm. God himself is revealed as a craftsman in creating the world, and his Spirit was involved in creating the world. Now, in verse 3, God names four things that he gives Bezalel, this craftsman. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skill. Do you see that in verse 3? Now, this doesn't mean that God just zapped him one day and suddenly he had all of these skills in the crafts. He was probably one of a very few people of Israel who had some skills passed down from generation to generation. Maybe he was the kid who was always doodling in his notebook and designing things or working with his hands. Maybe his dad was a goldsmith or something. But in any case, God sharpened those skills and filled him with his spirit to be able to use them for God's glory as a calling for God. He had a gift and God blessed that gift. Now, many of you who work in the trades, I believe, do so because you have a gift. You were the kid who could take things apart and put them back together. You have always been able to uh, understand how things work. Maybe you've seen old rusty cars and been able to envision what they would look like all fixed up. Or you could see someone with a skill and think, hey, I could probably learn that. You have a knack for it. You have a gift. My cousin Tim is like this. I remember as a kid going to his house in the summers. He lived in Maine. And every time I went, he had some new project underway, like building a huge halfpipe out of plywood for his skateboard or building a 15-foot uh, medieval siege machine in his backyard to hurl boulders into the woods. Or building custom sound systems or custom mountain bikes. He just, whatever he touched, he could figure out how to do it. Do you know anyone like that? Are you like that? You have a gift. You have a gift from God. Don't think too lightly of that skill and of that gift. And we all know the term working with your hands is a bit misleading because not only Do you work with your hands, but you use your mind a lot? And it takes a lot of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and sometimes formal training to master a craft or a trade, right? Those are the things God endows to Bezalel. So among the tradespeople here today, I would venture to say there is an enormous deposit of wisdom and of skill and of understanding. You know how to take tools and materials and create amazing things. You can take a pile of lumber and create a house. You can take a stack of pipes and some mechanical components and design and build a complex heating system. You can take some sand and lime and water and and concrete and and shape foundations. All these kinds of things, there's so much wisdom and skill involved in the trades. One of the unfortunate things that's happened in our economy, in our world, whatever, is that we've created this two-tiered system where manual labor is down here and intellectual labor is up here, right? When I was in high school, there was the college track or the career track. And if you got good grades, if your family was educated, you went on the college track. If all you could do is build houses or fix cars, you went to the career center. And I, to be honest, looked down on kids at the career center because I had believed this lie that working with your mind is better than working with your hands. And you know what? God does not see it that way. In God's eyes, there's no separation between the the physical and the spiritual or the knowledge economy and the trades. All work is God's work. And right here in Exodus, the first person to be called and filled with the Spirit was a craftsman. Isn't that cool? So if you work with your hands, it can be a calling from God. Well, number two, and this point is shorter. Uh, Not only is working with your hands a calling from God, but it can be work for God, for God himself. Notice the purpose in this passage for which God appointed Bezalel and all his helpers. It was to make what? To make all of the things involved in Israel's worship. The tabernacle, the ark, the altar, the priest's garments. All of these things that were literally to serve God and to worship God. They were making things to be used in God's presence, the very presence of God himself. That's, that's pretty cool. And you think today, well, you know, I don't build churches. I just plumb in toilets, or I just put tires on cars, or make foundations for houses, Besides, I have worked on enough job sites to know that they aren't the most holy places, right? And that most tradespeople are not Sunday school teachers like Roy, right? So can you really do that work for God, sometimes in environments that are fairly um, coarse and rough? And the answer is yes. Yes, yes. And it all comes down to Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of the purposes of that tabernacle or temple and said there is no longer one special holy place where you can worship God. You can worship and serve God in everything and in everywhere by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And Jesus is in doing that, also redefined what it means or clarified for us what it means to love and serve God. He said the only two things that mattered are to love God and to love people. So the question is, can you do your work to do those two things, to love God and to love people? How? How can you do ordinary work for that reason? You know, there are a lot of bad reasons to work, including working in the trades. Some people chase money. Some work to make a name for themselves or to leave a mark on the world. Some just do it simply to pay the bills and don't give any thought to a greater purpose. But if you follow Jesus, your work can be one of the main ways you love God and love other people. And one of the beautiful things about working with your hands is that you get to do very practical things to help people. Each one of us drove here today, except me, I walked here. We drove here today in cars that someone has fixed for us and serviced for us. We live in houses that someone has built for us. We turn on lights that someone has wired for us. We use networks that someone has designed and built for us. We when it gets cold, we turn up the thermostat and rely, our lives depend on heating systems that someone installed. Without all those things, we would be in rough shape. And so your work in the trades is one of the It's such a practical way to love and serve other people. One question to ask yourself is this. If you work in the trades or anything, who would suffer if I did not do my job well? Right? Who would suffer if I didn't do my job well? And I'm sure you can figure out the answers to that question. So friends, working with your hands is a high calling. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I want to leave you with one more example to drive this point home. And that example is Jesus himself. Think about what it means that when God took on a human life, when the creator took on flesh and came into this world, He came as someone who worked with his hands. Jesus was not born into a family of priests or of government officials or of scholars. He was born into a family of construction workers. And for the first, I don't know, 15 years of his career, he did the family trade. The Greek word is tekton, which means one who fabricates with wood, stone, or metal. So Jesus was a construction worker. That means he probably designed things. He knew how to lay out things and measure and mark and cut material. He probably sat and ate his lunch in the shade. He knew the joy of seeing a project come to completion. He had wisdom, understanding, and skill to make things just like Bezalel and just like his heavenly father who created the world. And even when Jesus put down the hammer and, and changed careers into his calling to be a savior, he still did it like a craftsman. Let me show you what I mean. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul explains that we are saved not by our works but by God's grace and our faith in Jesus. And then he says this, listen, for we are God's handiwork. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are the work of God's hands through Jesus. He has created in Jesus new people who love and serve him and love other people. Jesus came to repair broken souls and to craft new kinds of people. If God is the master craftsman, then we are his masterpiece. We are his handiwork. How cool is that? So even as you use your hands to work for others, let God use his hands to work on you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the master craftsman, and we give you our lives to design, to repair, to shape, and to create anew. Amen.